even if the other person backstabbed you mm-hmm. at this point it's not about the other person exactly it's about how you internalized exactly. it exactly Welcome back. Hey, Arcane Babes. We are here today with the Ten of Swords. Fuck yeah. Or fuck no, depending on (laughs) how well you're able to deal with this card and its circumstances. Not well. Spoiler alert. Yeah, this is a really rough one. It sure is. And we are ready to tackle it. We, this is our second 10 of the season so far. Yeah. We did 10 of wands. Now we're doing 10 of swords. I would not say they're dissimilar Mm. to each other. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, when we were laying out the cards for this season and figuring out like when we wanted certain things to be, we kind of wanted to do minor arcana that correlated with the preceding major arcana so we talked about death as our first episode of the season and so it kind of made sense to us to incorporate those difficult tens after death because they're also talking about rough endings (laughs) for sure for sure i would say that this one is more tragic than the ten of wands oh for sure yeah the the sword suit is gonna be the one where you see the most painful sad cards i think because it's a different level it's quite literally being stabbed the imagery of the ten of swords is heavy yeah yeah so we are gonna dive into it if you are listening on tuesday april 4th we have our second workshop tonight you are so excited It's going to be about creating your signature spread. So those of you who who are curious or new to writing their own spreads or have just started to read tarot and maybe not even ever used a spread before, Mm -hmm. this workshop is for you. Alyssa and I will be sharing our signature spreads, and then we will be working with everyone who joins to create their own. We're going to talk about what type of information you want in a reading and kind of build some structure there that can be helpful to reading yourself and reading other people. Yeah, and I think that for me, I really started to hit my stride in tarot once I had a spread that I loved using that I could rely on and could always go to when I wanted to do any type of reading. So I'm really excited to do this workshop. I think that it's just a super fundamental piece of learning tarot that you don't always get from other resources, I think. Right. I feel like there's a lot of spread books out there, but it'll be, you know, niche little spreads. Sometimes they're short. Sometimes it's a hyper-specific topic. Mm -hmm. We are talking about a spread that you can use like once a week, even probably once a day under certain times circumstances and times in your life um just that like general check-in yeah that is also going to be useful for you to rely on if you are starting to read clients yeah so yeah it's going to be an absolute like set in stone go-to and i think that everybody should have one of those it makes everything so much easier truly it's like it's the gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I just feel like it's the next step to like you get a deck 
and you're kind of like, what do I do with this? Like, or maybe you have like a favorite deck, but if you don't have that favorite spread, I don't know. I feel like you're still kind of lost. So I'm really excited. Totally. So we can't wait to see you guys there. If you are on the king tier of our Patreon, the workshop is free to you. And if you are not part of our king tier, you are still more than welcome to attend. It is just a $10 ticket through Eventbrite, which will be linked below and on our social media and everywhere. Yeah, hell yeah. You can absolutely sign up through Eventbrite or you're always welcome to join the king tier of our Patreon as well. Hell yeah. It has <laughs> other awesome benefits like being in our Discord community, which we've been having so much fun with and making so many friends and just talking about so many things that we don't get the chance to on the podcast. So yeah. that would be awesome to see more of you guys over there. We're, like, actually so excited about the the turnout on the Discord. I think neither of us, first of all, like, really understood what Discord was before we, before we got up and into it. And then also, like, just didn't know how many people were going to be interested in it. And, like, you, obviously, like, you guys have met, quote, unquote, us because you listen to the podcast. But we don't know what you guys are like until you, until you start interacting with us back. So, so the Discord has just been really exciting and really phenomenal. I think we're both really thrilled that it's been such a positive thing and so enriching and fulfilling too like the discord and these workshops have really like fulfilled the dream that I set out with when I started this podcast with Alyssa because that's what I'm here for I want to make those connections and I want to just teach in such a well-rounded and grounded way and you guys give us the opportunity to do that and to see that you are all so intelligent fucking creative and talented in so many different ways I think is a testament to the work that we're doing that we've been able to garner such a positive crew so Thank you guys for being you and for giving us the privilege of getting to know you too. Yeah, truly. So yeah, all that being said, the workshop's going to be super fun tonight. We hope to see you there. And there's more coming up. Yeah, hell yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and start with just my first impression of the Ten of Swords, what I generally think of this card and kind of the topics that I'm discussing when it comes up. Yeah. So for me, the keyword here is defeat, fucking defeat exhaustion you're over it maybe you've been betrayed or backstabbed if we're taking the imagery literally also like that feeling of beating a dead horse mm. communication that's not going anywhere mm -hmm. and also therefore a lack of closure that's what it evokes for me yeah how about you i fully agree with all of that i see this as like, quote, unquote, the worst card in the tarot. You do? I do. Okay. Um, Worse than the tower? Yes. Because, like you said, like, I had serious pain, complete and utter defeat. I think it's a very sorrowful card. I think that it just represents to me that the client is in so much pain. Yeah. Or they were in the past or whatever, you know, dep depending on where it comes up. There's it, it, there's an immense amount of pain. I think, in my opinion, more pain than comes across in any other card. Yeah. And when this card comes up for a client, I often kind of take a minute and just ask them if they're okay. Yeah. Um, and how they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's really, really, in my experience, this card doesn't come up unless something truly horrible has happened 
or at least internally they're feeling that feeling of of something truly horrible yeah it's not that i disagree with that i guess my experience with the card has just happened to be more focused on situations in the person's life rather than their life and well-being as a whole Mm. if that makes sense i feel like I've never really, at least that I can remember, gotten this card in the position of, like, client's current mindset or client's current, like, state of being as much as I've gotten it for, like, how this situation made you feel. Right. So, like, almost more compartmentalized. Yeah. Or it's... You know, I'm happen to be seeing somebody when they're kind of recovering from it, so it's yeah. it's coming up as the thing in their immediate past that they're just starting to get over. Right. So I definitely agree with that. I just feel like I've seen it less as an overarching mood. Yeah, that's fair. And that makes sense. I think that I've definitely, I've, I think I've definitely had it come up that way as well. Yeah. But I have also had it come up as the overall message of a spread, the overall vibe. I don't know. I feel like when this card comes up, it's oftentimes indicating that there's something going on in this person's life that is all consuming. That makes sense too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Like there's the whole concept of if you're literally bleeding out, like how much else can you do without tending to that first? It's like incapacitated, Mm. which is worse than feeling bad and knowing you can do something about it because it's just like, this is debilitating. Yeah. You are stuck. Right. And I will say when I was kind of researching and and brushing up in all my favorite books for this episode, I was surprised by how optimistic some of the takes on this card were. I was like, oh, yeah, that's not how I read it. Yeah. And certainly when this card comes up, there's an opportunity to talk about healing and the path toward healing and, and what that looks like. But this card, it just, it speaks to pain for me. Right. And I think that's true of any of these negative cards, especially the ones we're covering this season. Any challenge is going to present a chance to overcome that challenge. But that doesn't mean we should ignore the pain at hand. And pain demands to be felt. And oftentimes that's seen as a weak thing or a bad thing. But Mm -hmm. I'm a full believer in like not being able to get over something unless you truly feel it and process it, which is a lot of what we talked about last episode. But like when a card like this comes up, I'm not going to like grab the hand of my client and be like, you can get through this. It will get better. Like, (laughs) of course, that's true. Of course, there's space for it. But that's not the point right Right. now. And I feel that to say that is less encouraging or helpful and way more sweeping things under the rug. Way more. Yeah. Dismissive is a good word. Toxic positivity. Like, Mm -hmm. all of it. So... I think it's really funny that you said that because I literally have started my notes feeling your pain. Yeah. And like, I do think another way that this card comes up for me quite often is actually as advice. Right. And it's like telling people that they have to let that pain in so they can process it and move on. You can't keep pushing it 
down, leaning into your coping mechanisms, like trying to look everywhere except at the pain, it's time to just process your pain. Literally. And I will say even in our last workshop when we did the spring equinox spread, which if you're like, you have no idea what I'm talking about, the spread is on our Instagram so you can look for reference, but there was like roots in the spread and one of my roots was the Ten of Swords upright, which I thought was really interesting and and was kind of surprised by, but I very much take that to be like, not running away or shying away from pain and being willing to, especially as like a form of nurturing what I'm trying to grow in the future. Right. That as a root feels very much like continuing to have like an open heart. Absolutely. And and being willing to. Oh, I love that. Pain, yeah. It's true. Gotta do it. This card in reverse. So... I would generally associate the Ten of Swords reversed with just starting to get up from this injury, getting up off the ground, letting those wounds close. I wrote in my notes here, quote unquote, good in the sense that you need to move on anyway. So kind of what you were saying where it's like that pain has been felt now. Yes. There's nothing more you can do. You, You fulfilled your final task with this situation. The only thing left to do is get over it. Yeah. And I feel that you can let that card in reverse be like your final straw and your push. Yeah your sign to um, actually start the recovery process. Right. I 100% agree. Love. It's, it's like big healing energy for me and just kind of, yeah, the aftermath of big pain and figuring out how to move on from that. You know who doesn't agree with us? Who? The rider weight definition. Slay. So the rider weight definition reads, Ten of Swords, so for upright, a prostrate figure, which I read as prostate just so you know (laughs) pierced by all the swords belonging to the card yeah no shit divinatory meanings whatsoever is intimated by the design yeah no shit also pain affliction tears sadness desolation okay slay reversed advantage profit success favor but none of these are permanent Also, power and authority. I was engaging with the Rider-Waite-Smith reverse definition secondhand through Wen's interpretation of the card, Benabel Wen in Holistic Tarot, because she agrees with him. And I was like, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Because it's so different from how I see it. And I will just say, like, this is a situation where I'm like, why would the Ten of Swords of all cards come up to represent something positive? Literally. Even if it's temporary. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, guys, I lied to you because I meant to say Rachel Pollock in 78 Degrees of Wisdom. I was remembering incorrectly. So... Pollock says, weight describes it as success and advantage, but not permanent. These ideas suggest that when a situation changes, the problems may go away for the moment. However, the person must now take advantage of this relief by making a real change in his or her condition, either practical or mental, depending on the need, so that the situation will not revert to what it was. And she also compares it to the Ten of Wands reverse and says that it's a very similar situation of like being wary not to pick the wands up again after you set them down so that bridges a bit 
how I see it and how Wade describes it because it gives a reason. Right. More than just temporary success. But it's like, okay, you've let go of some pain, but now is your opportunity to not repeat the pattern. Yeah. Like, how are you going to heal in a way that doesn't open you up to more pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, again, like, I understand it. I just don't vibe with it. Yeah. I won't fair. be reading it that way. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I think I vibe with it a little bit, especially in the sense that, like, Ten of Swords Reverse is this, like, idea of, I very much see, like, the, the swords falling out of the person's back in reverse. Yeah. There is this idea that there's all these open wounds. Right. And it's like, when you are feeling really wounded, it's easy to fall into, like, patterns that aren't good for you. I could see it that way for, like, escaping a toxic relationship mm-hmm. or, like, a situation more so like that. Yeah. For sure. Love. Love that connection. Um, I guess the other, like, significant thing that I found reading that I wanted to explore more and actually felt like excited about and offered some variety in the way I see the card was from Jessica Dore's Tarot for Change, which I've just been talking about every week. And she brings up the Ten of Swords in relation to poor coping skills and like the way that it's the darkest before the dawn. Mm. So again, like it's kind of similar to when you're trying to escape a toxic situation. You are so stuck in the habit and the routine of being treated like that and make no mistake it's very hard to just up and leave that behind because that's your normal that's your peace that's your comfort when that's the only thing you've ever known and you've been through it for so long it starts to feel like home Mm -hmm. so again it's almost like you don't even know at the time that it's wrong yeah. in a way. So that was an interesting like concept for me to play with and and I like the poor coping skills thing. I just kept thinking about is it the modern witch tarot that this card is the girl scrolling on her phone? Yes. That's a poor coping mechanism, yeah. right? Because you're numbing yourself out. Yep. You're drowning out the noise, not paying attention to your pain. And that's, that is, I think, so significant and resonant for me with this card is that it's kind of just like accepting defeat. Yeah. And not making any moves to move on from it and just being like my only option is to just numb myself Uh out and lie here for the rest of my life. Like, it's it's a very desolate feeling. Yeah. And- I guess that's also why I don't want to put too much happiness and vigor in the reversed Mm. definition because, okay, let's say this card comes up upright for a situation like that. I would almost, you know, I'm not going to say I would ever encourage an unhealthy coping mechanism, but in a sense, I would almost be like, you're doing it at your own pace. Mm. Just know that you cannot fall into this hole forever. Yeah. Versus reversed is like, we're in the danger zone. It's a major red flag now. It's past the point of processing that pain. Yeah. And now, like, you're in a bad cycle. Yeah. Let's change it. Yeah. That's more how it is for me. That makes sense. And it's not necessarily how I've I've thought of it before, but I like that. Yeah. Like, that's the urge. That's the push. Versus upright, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My heart is heavy for you. Right. Something that I did think was really interesting 
about Benabel Wen's entire interpretation of this card was like a very unique, I felt, uh-huh. um, in the holistic tarot. And something I pulled that I thought was really interesting was she said, The Ten of Swords expresses the curse of prominence. So she talks about how, since this card is the Ten of a Minor Arcana, it shows progression some type of success, some type of maybe prominence that you have established for yourself and the pain that can come with that. So she says, the Ten of Swords expresses the curse of prominence. The higher you rise, the more merciless your opponents will be and the farther you will have to fall. Wow. Yeah. So that's for me like a very different take on this card, but it, it's very much like you, like she talks about how you stood out amongst your peers and for that reason you kind of garnered some jealousy. Right. Some hate and and that is the source of the pain Mm -hmm. is that people were jealous of you or didn't like that you were standing out against the status quo. I mean, that does make sense. Yeah. The way I found myself describing swords to like clients lately is like mental warfare. Mm -hmm. So I feel that like jealousy opens up a whole arena of mind games. Yeah. So like in that way, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And the whole like, concept of backstabbing yeah right i think that's a different avenue to take with the card because like we throw around the word like backstabbed like i I can name you know five ex-friends who have backstabbed me and i don't it wasn't necessarily traumatic or like life altering but it sucked yeah so there's like that and then there's like serious betrayal from someone who should have never left you that way which this card can also represent right but yeah that almost takes it to like the quote-unquote lighter side of things yeah and i do i think that 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 just feels like a fundamentally different energy and interpretation to me and i think that if this were to come up coupled with other cards that indicated like like if this was next to the star you know what I mean? Right. Like, you are leaning into your uniqueness and you are shining so bright and getting knocked down for it. That makes sense. That would that would maybe elicit that meaning for me. Right. But by itself, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I would see it that way. Right. I would definitely need some other cards. I feel like, you know what, if this came up with, like, Seven of Swords. Well, and that's the thing is I, I almost hesitate to see this card as backstabbing and betrayal even though i think that that can be part of it yeah i don't think it's it's the emphasis just because i much i very much see the seven of swords as having to do with betrayal yeah Um, and like lying like right sneakiness all of that trickery if you will yeah (laughs) and so when this card comes up like maybe the pain is a result of that Mm mm-hmm But also maybe it's not. Yeah. Either way, it's a lot of pain. For sure. But so I agree with you. I don't know that I would necessarily incorporate. Like, yes, the swords are in their back, but there's nobody else in the frame. Yeah. It's almost like the Seven of Swords inherently gives me interpersonal conflict because there's two. Sorry, we're going to be talking about the Seven of Swords later this season, so I don't want to like... Spoil too much. Uh, Fully dive into that. But it gives me interpersonal conflict because there are two actors in the card. Correct. But when this card comes up, 
it's just so much more personal to either myself or the client because it's not about anyone else. It's about how you feel. It's interesting, too, in the classic Rider Waite Smith imagery. I feel like we haven't even come out and said, like, what exactly the imagery is. So, oh, you're so. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm forgetting something. So, you know, this guy is face down on the ground, not even face up, like, bro's face is in the dirt. Um, and he's got 10 swords stabbed into his back. And there is water and a little bit of, like, a yellow sky behind him, but the sky is mostly black. Yeah. So there may not be another humanized player in the card, but the swords are directly interacting with the person we see. So I think that's interesting because in a lot of, like, depictions and stuff, sometimes the cups will just be sitting on the ground behind somebody or or the swords will be, like, in the air. Mm -hmm. This is, like, the swords are all directly stuck in his back. Mm -hmm. So I get I get what you're saying about it being more personal because even if the other person backstabbed you, mm-hmm. at this point, it's not about the other person. Exactly. It's about how you internalized exactly. it. Exactly. You know? And, 100%. And your past trauma is going to be incorporated in that. Mm-hmm. You know, your whatever mental illnesses you're predisposed yeah. to is going to be part of that. Like. Yeah. All that other, like, in-your-head type of stuff comes into play here. This actually so, like, smoothly transitions into the astrology of the card for me as well. Fuck yeah. Because this card is associated with the sun in Gemini. Okay. Which is, it's really interesting. Not necessarily, like, the tumultuous pairing I would expect for such a tumultuous card. Right. But upon, you know, further exploration... My tarot and astrology book talks about basically the sun, in addition to having associations with the self, it really sheds Mm. light on any situation, right? It comes through and it shows the truth of a situation. And Gemini is aggressively honest. Gemini is all about communication. They're, if anything, they're going to say too much. They have... A lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas, and they're not afraid to share them with you. So that combination is like, you can't hide anything. And it's almost like that's that's where the pain is coming from. Yeah. And something, I'm, I'm going to read from it again just because it, Do it, it resonated with me so deeply from my personal experiences with Gemini energy, and I'm a Gemini moon. Yes. Okay. TLDR is that when I was in college, I had a very good friend who was a Gemini son. And I'm like, kind of like, I hope no one I went to college with listens to the podcast because she's like a lovely person and still in my life. And, and I think that she's great. But in college, I had a very difficult relationship with her. Yeah. I And I felt like a lot of the things that she did and the way that she acted and the way that she interacted with me was very triggering for me. Yeah. And when I look back at that, I think that it was just in her nature to expose parts of me to myself. I think she Mm. was just one of those people that I met and things that I didn't want to acknowledge about myself, I was unable to continue to not acknowledge them in her presence. Mm. She was so blunt, so honest, so at times even like it felt invasive and I would be like, like just get out of my bubble right now like it's too much Mm -hmm. um 
And and so I think that Gemini energy does have that element to it. And what the tarot and astrology book says is Gemini is a talkative sign. Unfortunately, talk often leads to backstabbing, gossip, slander, libel, and vicious personal attacks. Even when Gemini's intellectual energy is self-contained, it can pierce our confidence with pains of self-doubt. Oh, man. And that's the part that is so real to me because... I think that Gemini, like, does not have to have any malicious intent to show us the truth in a way that makes us question ourselves. As another air sign, I have kind of something interesting to say that hopefully isn't, like, super off topic because I'm not intending it to be. So as a Libra, right, I've been called two-faced and fake. Mm. And genuinely, I don't think I am. Like, please let me know if I'm wrong. (laughs) I feel like I'm just nice to everybody, whether I like them or not. I'm able to be nice to them. I feel like Gemini does that, except they're, like, mean to everybody. (laughs) So, like, that is actually so real. Right? I think that that's, like, a very accurate statement. Because the thing with Libras are that you're so committed to peacekeeping peacekeeping and like throwing a lifeline to everyone like oh you're, yeah you're very much like i can connect with everyone no matter what That's oh yeah Libra. and so you you come at it from that perspective of wanting to make everyone feel good and wanting to make sure that like even if things are difficult you know there there are libras believe it or not you may not believe this but there are libras who can handle conflict and <laughs> Ouch. (laughs) And even when Libras are approaching conflict, it's always from a place of making sure that everyone is still comfortable and okay. Literally. never aggressive. And Geminis, I 100% agree with you. I think that they kind of come at everything from an aggressive perspective. Yeah. And that they're just so blunt and they're like, no, 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 no. I treat everyone the same. <laughs> I am unhinged 100% of the time. That's like, that's so true. So I get that from yeah. that whole vision of the card and the mm-hmm. energy here. I'm glad you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the positive light that the astrology of this card kind of sheds on the Ten of Swords that I actually really love because we were talking about the Rider Waite Smith imagery and Mel mentioned that like yellow piece of the sky. Uh-huh. And oftentimes that's interpreted as a little bit of hope. Like the, the sun coming yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Although for me it looks like the sun setting, but I guess <laughs> nobody asked my opinion. <laughs> I was getting sunset. But like a lot of people interpret it as like hope in the distance. In the pain of Gemini shedding light on all of your insecurities and, you know, what reminded me of it was you saying like, yes, you've been hurt externally, but you are internalizing it in a way that interacts with all your past trauma. And in that sense, the Ten of Swords, it's gonna shine light on all of your messed up coping strategies and all of the things in your life ultimately that aren't serving you anymore. And it's like that pain is the the vehicle, if you will, <laughs> that kind of takes you into this, this deeper place of understanding and and seeing and ultimately healing. And my tarot and astrology book has a quote that I pulled. It says, the suffering ends 
the soul is liberated by complete and total enlightenment. Mm. A higher consciousness is possible. Mm. So in that sense, I actually very much do see a positive moment in the future of being able to heal so much more holistically than you ever were before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, look back on that time with sentiment and pride because yeah. you've come so far. Yes. Love it. And I think based on everything you just said, this is an amazing card for shadow work. Mm. This is an amazing card for if you're going through a spiritual awakening. I think that's part of what makes the Ten of Swords so difficult. And also probably part of why it comes out in advice for me so often. Right. Because it's like, you've got to look at the pain. Yeah. You've got to like look at your shadow and incorporate it and integrate it instead of running away. I'm dying to ask. Tell me. Do you have a client story or a personal story with this card that you can think of? I don't really other than what I've already kind of incorporated and alluded to. Like I do have some standout memories, but nothing necessarily new. Right. What about you? I was scrolling my tarot journal to see the last time I got this card, which was last August. And I was doing a very simple two-card spread for conflict and resolution, which I love doing. And my conflict card was the Ten of Swords, but my resolution card was the Two of Pentacles. Mm. So this is how I interpreted it, reading straight from my journal from last year. Yeah. I avoid defeat by maintaining balance. I maintain balance by standing up for myself and my wants and needs and speaking them and standing by my word. Be moderate. See and appreciate the middle ground, the gray area. Not everything is an extreme or life and death. Embrace compromise. Things do not have to be perfect to be wonderful, beautiful, amazing, fulfilling, and everything you need. Mm. So kind of like... For what I was going through at the time, I interpreted it as, you know, the Ten of Swords is how I feel, and the Two of Pentacles is actually how it needs to be. Yeah. Because it was all internalized, like, pain at that point. Yeah. No one was actively hurting me, but I was Mm -hmm. dealing with the effects of trauma. I, this was... This was August 22nd, 2022. That was a couple weeks after we launched the podcast. Yeah. I... Yeah, because we launched the podcast on August 9th last year. I I will always remember. And um, Alyssa looks like she's going to (laughs) cry. But we had just done that. And, you know, I've never been so publicly outspoken about the things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. I think this week we had just released the Judgment Card episode. And I took that opportunity to speak publicly about something I've never spoken about before. Yeah. Ever. And... I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I had a little bit of just like the self-hatred like around processing that trauma. Mm. But it was like, here's this pertinent advice of just leveling yourself out. Yeah. You don't need to feel that pain so intensely anymore. Yeah. So that's how it came up for me. And I do think that that combination, Ten of Swords, Two of Pentacles, is what the podcast gives us right in a way being able to talk about really difficult things and pair it with friendship and a really awesome 
community of listeners and healing and also like a really lighthearted approach to life. You know, when when we talk about things on the podcast, it makes them a lot less scary and dark. And so the Ten of Swords and Two of Pentacles is like, okay, you can like, yes, there is this dark side. But bringing balance into it is ultimately going to make life a lot easier. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great note on healing as well. You know, people get intimidated when they start to have the desire to heal because they feel that they need to remove the bad thing Mm. when really it's about integrating good things. Yeah. And that's the message I got there from that combo. Absolutely. And from this podcast. Yeah. I love it. Aw. Oh, I love it very much. Yes. Um, So I just really wanted to share that. Also just, I'm like, so sorry, because this is just who I am as a person, but like that like also really reflects strongly for me in the way that I think about political change as well. Yes. And like oftentimes we, you know, start learning about all of the pain of the systems of oppression like in our world and and you just kind of want to focus on that so much and I think that a much more sustainable and ultimately revolutionary approach is to focus on positive ways that you can heal and build community and connect with people because you have to also talk about what you want to build. You can't just talk about what you want to tear down. I feel really strongly about that because I have interacted with a lot of people in my life who have said things along the lines of, I just can't watch the news. It makes me too upset. You're avoiding right? Mm -hmm. And avoiding is getting you nowhere and is making it ultimately easier to get you to a level of defeat yeah and we're never going to be able to solve everything so why not focus on what you are capable of and feel good about that in the same light i well we're in new york and now plastic bags have been like banned totally i think i think they don't even like put out paper bags anymore at least where i shop but i have always been (laughs) really obsessed with using reusable bags and like i would get so mad when my fiance and i would go to the store and forget them (laughs) and she'll always be like it doesn't matter because you know the paper or the plastic bags that are in the store were already printed anyway but to me i'm like But if I don't take them, they'll print less. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to focus on, and I guess when it's, not that that's trivial, but like, you know, I'm talking about the environment and trying to save what I can. And I guess you could argue that that's self-serving in some way, but I'm going to go ahead and argue that, like, I'm doing what's in my capability. Mm. Like, yes, like, the environment isn't going to stop getting destroyed unless big corporations stop destroying it. I get that. But at the same time, like, that doesn't mean we should just give up and feel that defeat and not make safer, more productive choices. Right. And... And we can't just, we can't just get rid of corporations. We have to have something to replace it. Well, exactly. (laughs) Or else we have no society. Right. So are you going to spend all your time talking about how you want 
to destroy corporations or are you going to connect with the people around you to figure out what the fuck you can do instead of relying on them? Right. And every movement is started with an individual. So to think that you cannot affect any change is an honest mistake. Like, And right, if you are working towards presenting another option, then people will have that option to choose. And more and more people will stray away from those harmful institutions. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Like, so. And I think, I think more than a mistake, it's an intentional consequence of of course capitalism in a society that wants us to really feel powerless. True. And wants especially people who are aware of the problems in our society to be so convinced that there's nothing they can do to change it. Because the truth is corporations need us right to give them the power that they have to yeah. continue to give them the power that they have so whether we're giving them that power by believing in them and voting to put money in their pockets and relying on them and loving them or we're giving them that power by hating them but saying there's nothing we can do you're still giving them that power no exactly like it Again, like, defeat, powerlessness. I hate when people fall victim to that in the political sense. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I was romantically involved with somebody who didn't believe in voting because she thought it doesn't make a difference anyway. Which, like, okay, fuck the electoral college. But, again, like, that mindset of, like, I'm washing my hands of this. Yeah sucks and you're lazy yeah like i I am gonna go ahead and say that because just take accountability and like and then this is where my libra comes in (laughs) my entire political ideology is based on wanting to shake people by the shoulders and tell them to do the right thing (laughs) like and it's sad to me that like it's sad to me that basic human rights have become this debatable thing like i just don't know how so many people's moral compasses have broken (laughs) yeah and that's overwhelming to me but again am i gonna lay down and die about it no i'm gonna try to work with and convince people and you know get them on the right track if they're on the wrong one i'm Mm -hmm. gonna make the choices that i'm able to make and feel good about and hope that that influences other people to make better choices alongside me yeah i'm not just gonna do nothing i'm not just gonna stop voting i'm not just gonna yeah it's really tough it's like it's something i've been thinking about a lot especially with my new job working in a food access organization and kind of especially working in communications for a food access organization because it's just constantly confronting this tension between like the leftist ideals of the work that i want to do and the <laughs> like the 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 right wing reality of the community coupled with the fact that that is the very community that we are serving right exactly like i think especially as somebody who went away to college to learn about sociology and kind of came of age in such a politically divisive time it, 
it's very easy for all of us to fall into like a very us versus them partisan divided kind of mindset where ideology is prioritized over action as well and like i've done i've done that i've done that for years that's been my life and i think that something that's really important to me to figure out how to do is not make people the enemy ever right no matter what right which is a really hard thing to do. But that's the crux of the work. And if you're really going to sit there and care about humanity, you have to unpack the part of you that wants to be selective in what humanity means. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, can say that because I'm struggling in the same way. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, I work for a community center and I'm not in something like communications. I do direct care with children, but um, the after-school program I work for is just one small part of that community center. We also run a food pantry. We have a free store. We have like a furniture program for people who need specific large items, and we do outreach and have donors and and all of that. We're non-for-profit. And I quite literally work with parents of children who just have really fucked up views of the world and do really fucked up things. And I have to help them, basically. To put it in very simple terms, I have to like look in the face of everything I hate and help them with a smile. But that is direct action. And that is direct care. And that's, it's where it all begins. And that's like, I feel like what we have to run with and hopefully inspire change in Mm -hmm. those sectors and those type of people Mm -hmm. if that makes sense for sure it's hard it's much easier said than done but i'm also confronted with that every day and i get it i feel the same way yeah it's like it's it's been surprisingly healing oh yeah to take that on and to open myself up to the contradiction of that. And the and, nuance. And yeah, and it's a lot of, again, I mean, we're talking about shadow work, right? It's a lot of things that for a long time I didn't want to look at. Literally. I didn't want to think about. I didn't want to see things that way. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to see them as black and white. Yeah. And being able to accept that people who say and do bad things can still be good people yeah and that that's at least what i believe that's a hard one for me but i do believe it right (laughs) And, and then saying okay given that information how am i going to approach this situation being as honest and authentic and kind and open as I can be right has been surprisingly freeing I know there's a lot of instances which I thought would be triggering that are actually healing Mm. because I'm finally looking at it and that's that will always be better than pretending it doesn't exist exactly always exactly it's funny because in this context you know I have parents who are passionately centrist Um, (laughs) and one of my mom's like core tenets of her belief system is that the conflict, interpersonal conflict created by left versus right is worse (laughs) than any other thing in the world. Mm. My, My parents often say things like, 
both sides are too extreme, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is not something I believe, right? I am a leftist through and through in my soul. And, And at the same time, I've really needed to make space to understand that the left that I was initiated into is very separatist and dismissive and ultimately espouses a lot of the things that they claim to denounce. Right. And I think that as a leftist who, and also a spiritual person and somebody who wants to ultimately see real change like it's important to me to be able to have conversations with people in my community who very much so disagree. Right. I just keep thinking about a post that I shared on my social media yesterday. Mm. I'm going to read it. You should. Who I believe I found through a podcast that I have been really into lately that I can link because if you're interested in this kind of conversation, you might like the podcast. But the screen grab I shared, it was about the leftist community and some of just the pitfalls, I think, that that people fall into that ultimately hurt us more than they help us. In the last frame is what I shared. And it said, honestly, all I want anymore is a left that doesn't sound insane to normal people, a left that is intellectually rigorous without being so open-minded our brains fall out, a left that is muscular and self-assured without being culty and zealous, a left that is pragmatic and rooted in reality without becoming cynical and self-serving, a left that is kind toward human beings and ruthless toward systems, a left that is rooted in the ideas about grace and decency, cooperation and generosity that motivate the best part of our cultures i don't think it's that much to ask right and i shared that and to me while i was sharing that i was like this is a little maybe obscure (laughs) for like most people Mm. like it's coming from a very in my mind it's coming from a very specific perspective of being so entrenched in the left and then ultimately healing from that and wanting to like re-enter mainstream society but with I guess just holding the ideals that are so close to me yeah um at the same time and I was really surprised because a lot of people responded that I I wouldn't have expected to respond and said that they like loved it yeah um my sister was like, I want to put this in my Tinder profile. And I was like, <laughs> stop. Surprised, <laughs> uh, to say the least. And then also my aunt, who turns 70 Queen. this weekend, responded and said, I love this, Alyssa. That's and a sleigh. I know. It, it is a sleigh. But it also, I think, really... Because like some, I, I kind of tried to reread that from the perspective of somebody who does not have the leftist context that I have. Uh-huh. And I think that I think that the reason that post spoke to people who don't have the same political ideologies as me. It's my sister and my aunt. I mean, my aunt is like a capital D Democrat. <laughs> I love that for her. She's 70. And my sister, I don't even fucking know. Like, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But it really speaks to, I think, how alienated people feel by the political left. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people who think it's all anarchy. Yeah. (laughs) 
And that it's all, I know I use the term self-serving already, but like, yeah, like more about inflating your own sense of self and personal agenda than like being. Yeah. And I think that the reality is that it often is. And and that's what's so difficult. I think that people like my parents look at the left and see a bunch of privileged social justice warriors. Exactly. And fake woke. Right. And the frustrating thing is that that exists. Right. Right. You know? And so it's hard. It's hard to come from that perspective and say, like, I want you to look through all of the bullshit to realize that these values are actually things that you would agree with. Literally. If you could get over the feeling that everybody on the left is talking down to you and thinks that they're better than you. But the reality is a lot of the people on the left are talking down to you and think that they're better than you. Correct. So how do we navigate that? Yeah. I guess, I know, that was a long-ass monologue. No, I... That's been on my mind so much lately. We live inside each other's brains. It's really weird. And I often feel like when we move to politics that I'm dumbing down the conversation when I chime in because I don't have the right, like, language. But everything you say, I resonate with, even though I can't, like, express it on my own as eloquently. I 1000% agree and, like, put that into practice. And yeah, I'm just grateful that you can, like, lay it out in a logical way. Well, I think that, you know, it, it needs it needs to be something that the average person can understand. That too, right. It can't be this obscure, academic, jargony thing that we're asking people to, like, change their lives to start living by values that are so far outside of their everyday lives. The reality is that the most important thing is, like, accessibility and mutual aid and and collective activism like like showing people why they should believe in it not just begging them to do that or trying to like guilt or shame people into exactly voting a certain way or or whatever like we've got to step outside of that paradigm because it doesn't And there is this whole thing of like, I'd rather you actually be a leftist than play one on TV. You know, when it's it's motivated by votes, statements, black squares posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's where we stray further from the fucking point. Like, like get on the ground and put in some legwork. Right. And and I think, right, the fact and the reality of the situation that there are people who don't even know the context of the quote unquote left that like people who are deeply entrenched in, in online leftist culture understand who have done more for the leftist man. Right. Even even while understanding it less. Deadass. Yeah. We just took a break from recording. I don't know exactly where we left off, but something on my mind in lieu of this conversation is like, you know, on TikTok, which can just be like a wasteland, there has been a recent resurgence of micro-labeling in the LGBTQ community. Mm. 
which we saw like back in the day on Tumblr uh-huh. and like it's just coming around again like everything else from the early 2010s I guess and so there's a lot of discourse about like what does being a lesbian mean what does this mean what does that mean right and I saw the funniest fucking video response the other day this person was like you're worried about that like are the queer people in your community unhoused yeah. like are they even fucking eating food like uh-huh. why don't you go worry about that uh-huh. and that's so real right we are you know sitting from the comfort of our homes tweeting and typing and posting about shit that doesn't matter at the uh-huh. end of the day and that's <sighs> that's where it comes in that's where that's what being fake woke is like go yeah. do something yeah. literally go do something i hate it it's so i just feel like it's a pitfall that we are coached to fall into right because it's so much less harmful to the status quo for us to be participating in that bullshit than it is for us to be organizing and making real changes in our community. And I think that it's hard because it's not to say that conversations about identity are never important or valuable, Mm -hmm. but it is to say, I think it's fair to always check in with yourself about what these conversations are serving. Right. And how they are serving people. Right. And it got me thinking about, again, like, oh, I've called back to it a couple times this season, but my episode from season one about my identity and my the way that I present, and I am privileged to be able to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, a lesbian, but I'm a white cis woman first. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, the privileged of the privileged yeah. in that community. Yeah. And I'm aware of that. And you should be too. Yeah. If you are in a similar position. For sure. And I think that, you know, if conversations about identity are a privilege, it's a privilege we all deserve, you know? Right. And to your point, just keeping in mind, yeah, that your sticking point in a certain situation, how that is going to affect a larger community made up of people who are more marginalized than you. Right. Always, always looking at that trickle down and making sure that your voice is in line with your values at the end of the day. So real. And not to be redundant, cut this out if you think it's redundant. I still think there's space to have those conversations and validity to them, of course. And that was something I said in that solo episode I did, which was like, I'm not making a statement right now. I'm not sharing a view. I'm talking about my personal story. And sometimes people don't clarify that. Dare I say, oftentimes people don't clarify that. Mm-hmm. So I feel that they say these things coming from pure intentions, but that's where it's easy to look so motherfucking tone deaf. Yeah. But I think that the flip side of that is that sometimes people are just musing about their own experiences and then someone will come out of nowhere and be like, there are people dying, Kim. And it's like, <laughs> great. Like... That's not what I was talking about. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, not everybody is an activist. Yeah. So tread very carefully when you're seeing people share about that, like, about those sensitive topics. Yeah. They could just be talking about them damn selves. Yeah. And, like, right. I think that, and and sometimes it's it's just the urge to police (laughs) 
fake woke. The urge to police outweighs your real engagement in in any given moment. And to yes. that, to that, I say a cab. And <laughs> I say a cab <laughs> to your inner fucking cop. Tell that bitch to shut up. That was the best thing. Oh my god, are you guys sick of our shit yet? <laughs> I love how I'm like, I have to be at work at 12. It's 11.51. We haven't talked about imagery. I know. <laughs> it's bad. Listen. Tell me about your imagery. Okay, Slay. I have a lot of good ones today, which I haven't. Like, I feel like maybe at all yet this season. Yikes. Like, really? Like, I've had a couple winners, but... Mm. I feel like this is the first time I literally have six cards in front of me that I want to talk about. Oh, that's awesome. All right. (laughs) Well, all right. So we talked about regular Rider Waite Smith. Mm. Then we have the Gilded Tarot, which is always fun when I can talk about this one because this is the deck that I learned on. So the Ten Swords are not piercing the man's back. They are floating above him in like a golden haze. Mm. So I think that is super interesting. And there is a deer watching over him and a couple of birds in the sky. This looks so similar to Lindsay Silverman's depiction. It does. Intuitive Night Goddess Hero. Yeah, the swords are like floating Floating. and have this glowing silver light in your card. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's more hopeful as much as I would say it shows you that you can take control and charge of your pain yeah in the sense that like you can't control how you feel you can control though what you do with it yeah that's what i get from this image and just the presence of the animals brings in that whole like spirit guide divine protection thing yeah maybe it is a little bit hopeful because it kind of gives you faith Mm. where you maybe otherwise wouldn't have it and his arms like his hands are by his head versus rider weight smith his hands are like sprawled out on his sides so to me that's more of that's a better position to be in to lift yourself up yeah right that totally makes sense Then I have the Ten of Bats from the Halloween Tarot. What I like about this one is our subject is underwater. Ooh. So she's underwater and the swords are depicted by bats flying in the sky above her. And then each card in this deck has a black cat on it. The black cat is overlooking her like the deer in the previous card from the Gilded Tarot. But her being underwater to me reminds me of the story of Ophelia. Mm. So yeah, it is very, very sorrowful. It is full of defeat. You're literally drowning. So it's like another depiction of the pain. That almost feels more like, like less active and overzealous Mm. and more like hopeless, melancholy, dark in a way. Then I have Murder of Crows, which the Ten of Swords in that deck is probably one of, like, my favorite within the deck and was definitely one of the first that I, like, noticed when I got it and went through it. So this guy has two swords through him, through each arm. Wow. So it's kind of like crucifixion. Yeah. And as we've previously discussed, this deck has a lot of, like, biblical or otherwise folklore related depictions. Yeah. So he's got that. 
He's screaming, mouth open wide, eyes squinting, screaming. And the crows are just pecking at his disemboweled stomach. Like his torso is ripped open and you can see like the rib cage and intestines and the crows being there eating. Wasn't this similar to the imagery of the last? Yeah, because that the last one they were picking at his abdomen as well. What was that? Five of pence? Mm-hmm. Five of penis. Five of penis. I really love this. And something that we didn't end up talking about, but is maybe relevant here, is that in the traditional Rider Waite Smith imagery, the shape of the character's hand mm. is called the sign of benediction. Mm. And it's associated with Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there's a reference to Jesus and specifically like forgiveness. Yeah. Which is Ooh. interesting. But so this this also gives that like Christ crucifixion imagery. That's Ooh. cool. It's very visceral. I know. It it's really a, is. It's a cool one. I like it. Poor guy. <laughs> then we have the Ten of Swords from the Golden Age of Horror deck. This is super interesting to me. So it's a scene with zombies, undead type of monsters, and they are attacking these two people in a cemetery. And the one guy they're attacking has a little speech bubble and he's asking, do spirits exist? And I think that's interesting because he's literally being attacked by one. <laughs> and I love that. Right? So it, it it speaks to the not paying attention to your pain. I really love that. And this deck is like comic book covers. So it says like, do spirits exist? Read this thrilling issue. So the whole idea of like, read to learn more, like yeah. that to me is so resonant of shadow work. Oh. Dive deeper, read between the lines, right. learn more. Right. And the whole like, the sun in Gemini, like shine light on the reality of the situations. Literally. See all of it. Literally. Not just the parts you want to see. Yeah. So I fucking love that. Yeah, that's really cool. And then I saved potentially the best for last. You've seen this card before and told me you loved it. This is the Ten of Swords from the Pride Tarot, and it's mm. illustrated by Irene Lorenzi. So we've got our beautiful figure, long, like, it's debatable whether they have white hair or it's kind of like a shroud and they're bald. Because <laughs> it's also kind of like a smoky, weird, it's weird texture for hair. Not really sure. The moon is behind them. Eight of the swords are stabbing into the moon, the full moon. And two of the swords are stabbing into the cloud slash hair thing. Yeah. And their chest is cracked open. Their head is disconnected from their chest. Like the head and neck disconnected from their chest. And we see these dancing demons amongst their bones and organs. Mm. I am so obsessed with the imagery. I'm obsessed with the main person depicted and just like her face is so beautiful. And it kind of looks like she's almost crying blood. Yeah. Like the tears are like red. Reddish. Yeah. Oh, we should put this one on the Instagram. Yeah. So I mean, I think it really, it's not the typical imagery you would expect because you would expect the swords to be stabbing the person in the card directly. Mm-hmm. But I think this speaks to, like, stabbing the moon, breaking down the illusion, if that's, we're talking about the moon and tarot. Yeah, and that's, like, having the moon 
be in the image, it does speak to this heavy shadow element. Yes. Um, and the demons in her chest. Come yeah. on. I have those too. <laughs> That's so real. And she's letting them out. Yeah. And I love, honestly, the disconnected head and neck. Yeah. Is like, get out of your head, get in your body, feel yeah. it, which we talked about with the five right. of pentacles. Wow, the way we coordinated the cards this season, we are just so smart. We have such big brains. <laughs> so big. It's so big. <laughs> Huge. It's so fucking big. Um, and I just... <laughs> and I just love... Because it does, like, it almost... There's this big feeling of relief. Yeah. With this imagery. Letting the pressure out. Yeah. Ugh. Which is really, really cool. Slay. She's slaying. She is slaying. Tell me about yours. I want to know everything. My favorite depiction of the Ten of Swords that I have is In the Wild Unknown Tarot by Kim Kranz. It is a bull. Yes, bull. Type of guy with, okay, nine swords are stabbing kind of his back and head from above. And then the tenth is going through his head, through one eye, out the other eye. Such a mood. Like, in one eye, out the other. It's... Ouchie. The imagery... I'm sad for him. It's just... It's visceral. It's intuitive. Like, I've talked before about the imagery of this deck just connects with me on such an intuitive level. And this is one of those cards that you just, you see it and you feel it. So I really, really like that one. That's so Oedipus, right? Doesn't he stab out his eyes when he, like, finds out that he fucked his mom? Maybe. Fact check me. (laughs) But I I think he stabs out his own eyes. Yeah, that sounds right slay yeah but right quite literally making yourself blind to the situation yeah and just the way it's presented is very like again visceral it evokes the same feeling that i get when i look at the murder of crows card i'm sad i'm hurt yeah Yeah. and it's definitely chaotic too like the way that the swords are kind of like at different angles and and skewed and overlapping you know the the rider wait smith depiction the swords are just right in a line right it's like very organized actually uh-huh so this definitely adds a layer of i think confusion yeah i was gonna say chaos yeah but confusion as well yeah we all we see a lot of confusion in the suit of swords yeah we sure do yeah boy do we boy do we and the other image that i'm keen to talk about well, not as much image because the imagery is simple, but in the Taylor Swift tarot, the Ten of Swords has the quote, across a great divide, there is a glorious sunrise, which I think is really interesting because it, it feels a bit optimistic. I would never have associated the song Happiness with the Ten of Swords. Yeah, but I think it's really interesting because that song depicts such pure pain and hurt true you know like and having to move on with no real closure yeah and like it it talks about a long relationship that was full of a lot of emotions that ultimately just ended in pain it talks about there being not fault on one side or the other and so i think it's really interesting to see the ten of swords through that lens of 
kind of just because I do see it as being kind of like beaten down over a long period of time to the point where you are just desolate and hopeless. And so so in in that sense, I see this song for it. And it, it makes me also think of the line, which is like maybe my favorite line from the song, which is. I pulled your body into mine every goddamn night. Now I get fake niceties. Like, oh. it's it's just that, like, ache, you know? Yeah, I sh- Oh, boy, do I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know. So, I- yeah, so, so it's an interesting, I think, song to reference for the Ten of Swords, but I like that take on it. It adds something for me. Ouch, my heart. Yeah. Okay, love. <laughs> Any other good ones? Um, everything else is pretty simple. You know, I do enjoy my Crystal Visions tarot. It's a woman on the ground in the winter, and she's has all the ten swords stabbing her in the back, and she's bleeding bright red blood onto the snow, and she has a rose near her hands. It definitely is a vibe as well. I love, like, the coloring on right. this card. It's all so blue, and then there's the red blood. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah. The contrast is nice. But yeah, uh, like, other than that, it's it's pretty simple and and classic in a sense like the ten of swords it is a very classic straightforward energy yeah it like it is what it is not that it's simple because it's so layered but like everyone knows what this card means everyone has felt this before yeah or is gonna feel it at some point (laughs) lucky you (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah Okay, love. Well, this has been quite the episode. It sure has. <laughs> what? I don't know. Mal and I are silly gooses. We are. Yeah. So if you want to come be silly with us, please join the workshop tonight. Yes. And thank you for all the engagement this season. We're having a great time. Definitely a bigger audience than last season. And we just love it. Yeah, I think we're just really enjoying that this is something that people have connected with. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, leave us a review, give us a follow, give us um, a kiss, give us a kiss right on the forehead. And (laughs) nothing. Can I have mine on the forehead? Mel will take hers on the clit. Oh my god. Am I wrong? Slide into my DMs. (laughs) Okay, love you guys so much. Have a phenomenal week. Unless we see you tonight. And otherwise, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.